Welcome to Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm your host, Stephanie, and today I am joined by Sadie Hartman, reviewer, co-owner of The Nightworms, and author of the upcoming 101 Horror Books to Read Before You're Murdered to pair up some read-alikes for the adult picks for Summer Scares this year. So Sadie, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. What a fun topic to talk about yeah well the picks this year are really good so I feel like there was a lot to work with yes I was very impressed and excited by the picks Stephanie do you know who picks them um it's the the committee I know when Daniel and Conrad came they they talked about like it's a whole summer scares committee and they all kind of vote and they try to do things within the last 10 years not something that's super new release so that it's people can still get it at the library like it's supposed to be like accessible so they don't want like a hot new release that you know like they can't keep on the shelf yeah that makes so much sense (laughs) oh man but tell us about your upcoming book yeah so 101 horror books to read before you're murdered is a concept that my editor, who is an editor for Page Street Publishing, conceptualized kind of in her own vision she had for this book. She decided to reach out to me and ask me if I would be interested in writing it. Um, And she really didn't have all of the things fleshed out. She really wanted to allow some creative input from me as to how I would want to write this book. But her essential idea was there is so much horror and horror is really having a moment. Like how can someone navigate through all of these um, titles that are coming out every single year? And as soon as she told me that, like, I mean, we weren't having like a conversation, but we were emailing frenetically back and forth because we were excited. Um, I, I just was like, yes, we do need some sort of guidebook. Um, or somebody to just kind of be like, hey, this book came out in 2010. Like, let, let's not forget it as we're recommending, you know, all of these new books. Mm-hmm. Um, and at first, I don't think that she had all the parameters. I kind of invented a lot of the imp- parameters that the, the, the criteria of how this list would be uh, framed out. And I decided that there are so many lists on the internet when somebody says, oh, like, you know, 100 horror books to read or 50 books to read or here are the most essential horror books you should read. And a lot of them are like classic titles like Dracula and Frankenstein and Shirley Jackson. And they squeeze out some of the more modern horror um, and maybe some of the lesser known. So I did know right away that I wanted this book to be like within the last 20 years so it's a guidebook of horror in the last 20 years I love that I was flipping through it and it's full of such great suggestions but it's also so welcoming to newcomers to the genre you know like you take the time to explain like also like this is what a cryptid is when you hear people talking about cryptids this is what they're referring to And I really loved in your haunted house section that you split it up into like Manderley houses and Hill houses. And I'm like, yes, that does exist. Like those are the two kind of vibes. Thank you. Yeah, that was fun. Those, a lot of these things kind of happened 
spontaneously as I was writing the book. Like I would have these aha moments of like, oh, I remember when I was a new fan and I didn't know shit. And I would be in a Reddit thread and say something really stupid, like what's a cryptid? And everyone would be like, well, you know, you can't really be a horror fan or call yourself a horror fan if you don't know what a cryptid is. And I just felt like that was so unwelcoming. So I wanted to make sure that this book wasn't coming from a place of if you're brand new to this genre, this book isn't for you. This is for us over here. Yeah. Yeah. I want this to be like, you know, somebody who has really just been reading thrillers or romance or other genres and wants to just sample can step into this and not feel like they have to have a full history of knowledge behind them. Yeah. Yeah. I do feel like horror has a bit of a reputation in that and that I think to someone looking at it from the outside, it can seem overwhelming and daunting. Yeah. As a genre. I feel like that way too. I felt like I wasn't allowed to speak on certain um, tropes or certain subgenres because I hadn't read like the quintessential books you should read like I hadn't read any LP HP Lovecraft I almost said LP Hernandez um, I haven't read <laughs> shout any- out to LP Hernandez <laughs> he's gonna love that um yeah I, I I hadn't read any Lovecraft I hadn't read you know very widely at all to yeah. be honest especially in cosmic or body horror and I mean even as seasoned horror readers you're gonna have blind spots like that like I still can't get through any HP Lovecraft yeah I mean what I've not I've still not read any I've tried multiple times and every time I'm like this is a short story surely I'll be able to get through it and I'm like why is this like scraping my eyeballs against a cheese grater like I can't I can't do it and this is just a short story I'm sorry I totally get it I mean I would rather to be perfectly transparent I feel like John Langan and you know Victor Laval and others who have really re-navigated that entire genre and reclaimed it have done a fine job giving us cosmic horror. And I don't really feel like I need to go back into the mythos no. and deal with all that. No. And I feel like, yeah, he's made his contribution. It's a mythos that we're still working with and making nods to today. But yeah. as a wordsmith, yeah, as a storyteller, he just does not work for me same personally it's an absolute same (laughs) (laughs) so do you think there are books or authors that you feel like are overlooked by modern horror readers like from this from these 20 years or from like the past too both yeah um kind of just going off of my own reference and what I was exposed to I definitely think that indie authors were entirely overlooked and are entirely overlooked. I think that today we're doing a much better job of uncovering some of those talents that have been overlooked. Um, And Bookstagram definitely opened my eyes to what was out there. But I only had what, what my mother gave me. Like she had a full bookcase of Stephen King and Anne Rice and Peter Straub and people who were traditionally published and were making tons of money being an author. And when I got on bookstagram, people would be like, 
oh, an author like actually messaged me and gave me this book and it's horror and it's amazing and everyone should read it. And I'm like, wait, there are independent authors out here creating amazing books that I need to read. And once I turned over that rock, I was done with all the other genres. Like I just wanted to stay in horror and read it all. Yeah. I mean, I feel like there's such a variety within horror. Like, I feel like you probably get asked this a lot. Like, how do you just read horror? And it's like, there's so much variety. There's a little bit of everything yes. in here. But yeah, with um, Indian small press books, it is, yeah, one of those like things that like when you discover that, when you find out about those like indie small press titles, it's a game changer. Yeah. I mean, I never would have found some of these authors had I not you know been exposed to them by readers who were finding out like oh there's this small press called word word horde and Uh you have this whole back catalog of authors like that's how I found John Langan that's how I found Christy Demeester yeah yes these authors have later gone on to get traditional publishing deals but like think about like Eric LaRocca and Haley Uh Piper and Stephen Graham Jones, they all started in the small press world and are now, you know, traditionally published. So these are the origin stories of those great names. Yeah. Yeah. I think you mentioned in your book, was it um, The Switch House? That was your first like (laughs) indie title. Yeah. It's hard to exactly pin it down. I I was trying to like five. (laughs) I have a Jonathan Jans. It was the Children of the Dark that I group read with all the mm-hmm. Nightworms reviewers. And then there's also Switch House by Tim Meyer. There's Christy Demeester's De- Beneath I saw written up in an article and and like requested. That was the first book I actually requested for a review. Um, so it's hard to really pinpoint yeah. exactly, but it's one of those books. Oh my gosh, you're bringing up so many memories. I'm like, I loved word horde i mean i still do like they're still putting out great stuff but um christy demeester rachel and i loved her rachel i still haven't read beneath but we both loved her short story collection um is still to this day like one of my favorites if you ask me for like my top horror short story collections that's up there and she was the first guest the first like author we ever had on the podcast and we fangirled so much that she like said yes to talking to us wow I love that yeah her what's it called everything that's beneath because the title of that one I think everything that's underneath underneath it's underneath because beneath is the title of yeah I knew it was like one of those prepositions yeah, and I also I so I received check this out from Word Horde. They gave me because I requested Christie's, then they gave me Nadia Bulkins, she said destroy. Michael no Michael Weehunt was alien um that other publisher, Apex. Mm-hmm, yeah. But I got these all around the same time, right? And so I'm reading all of these books and I'm just absolutely floored like that's when my reviews were just like embarrassing because I'm just like oh my god read this book I can't believe this exists like just free my books were, my reviews were so cheerleading in the very beginning <laughs> there's a lot of cuss words and a lot of like uh explanation points just like you need to effing read this like seven <laughs> exclamation points yes <laughs> oh my gosh that's awesome I think the 
I requested that um, Ouija board anthology, Tales from a Talking Board. Yeah. And then they're like Frankenstein anthology. I was like, I'm obsessed. Oh, so many memories. That talking board one. Christy Demeester's story in that one is so good. Yeah. I still think about it. Me too. But pivoting over to Summer Scares, like the books we're going to be talking about. Summer Scares is a library initiative um, that the Horror Writers Association does every year. So what is your personal history with libraries? This We could be here like all day for this, honestly. But when I was a kid, I was not a cool kid. Um, and my mom was very cool and and encouraged my my reading. And that was how I would escape, you know, feeling like all the social pressures and all the weirdness and awkwardness of school. And she would take us, my sisters and I, to the library. We have a very old library downtown Grass Valley. And we would go downstairs, which is where the children department is, and we would get rewards for reading books. And like the type A person that I am, I would sit at a table, a tiny little table with a tiny little chair, and have all of my chapter books, and I would just binge read books and earn my stars like in the library (laughs) because I wanted to go home with the prize that day. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I loved those. I love that. Yeah, you didn't even take it home. You're like, no, we're doing this here, right right here, right now. Yes. And it's funny because I don't really go to the libraries a lot now. I have all the apps on my phone and I do get ebooks from them once in a while. And I watch a lot of movies through my app on my TV, the Canopy app. But it's very hard for me to walk into a library and not come home with an armload full of books that I'm apparently going to read in two weeks. Like that never happens. No, absolutely not. I feel that. I also loved the library when I was younger and I was telling you like I grew up in California and we grew up in like the valley. It was so hot and I remember we just wanted to be with air conditioning so we would just spend so much of the summer just in the library in the cold air conditioning. (laughs) Stocking up on California summers are not a joke like no. Northern California, people always think I'm from Southern California. I'm from Northern California. We got big fat snowstorms and hot ass summers, like 100 triple digit summers. Oh, really? I didn't know that. I thought it was a bit more temperate there. Yeah, no. Right smack in the middle of like, here's Sacramento, here's Auburn, here's Grass Valley, and then Tahoe. Like if you go up to Tahoe, yeah, you're in the clear. But where we were, we, we got all that Sacramento heat. So you got the both ends of the extremes. Yes. I know, well, you and I both review and we have to read a lot of books and kind of get them read by a certain time. But do you find time to read seasonally? Like, are there certain books that you gravitate towards in the summer versus the winter? Yeah, I mean, I do sometimes do that, that vibe thing like Ashley's reading um she's doing like a summer summer camp Mm -hmm. or whatever on bookstagram and they're reading the ruins and the Saturday night ghost club and I think seed by Anya Alborn I I think it is an Anya Alborn book um which I've all I've read all three of those and those are all great summer choices and I do follow those kinds of vibes in the summer but for me summer reading is more about the fast-paced time of summer where like there's campouts, there's graduation, there's Father's Day, there's 
um, 4th of July. There's big picnics and long days and my husband's working outside. And I feel like there's not a lot of time to sit in an immersive like door stopper style book of like 500 pages. So for me, summer seasonal reading is short story collections, novellas, like shit I can put in my purse and read while I'm like, you know, outside or doing whatever, um, you know, bent up like paperbacks, old paperbacks that I've collected. I read a lot of paperbacks from hell in the summer. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Those are hmm. good baby books for the summer. <laughs> like have you bought them from through Valencourt? Yeah, there's those from Valencourt because they're really small and you can put them in your purse. I have like a little backpack style purse, um, but also just like those beat up uh, paperbacks that I can't pass up when I see them. Like they'll be like on the 50 cent table at a library <laughs> sale. And I just I, that's how I read Hell House. It was like a falling apart. Oh, really? Book. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Have you what's the most recent one you've read of those? Because that is something I will say, like, I don't think that's probably a big blind spot for me is like that horror paperback era. Oh, the old stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, recently not, I've been like completely in doing all the recent like releases, but every Halloween, I or like October season, I read all of the old shit, like all the old paperbacks. And so last time it was psycho and I read um, Rosemary's baby that way. I also am this October building my my list and I'm going to read The Other okay. and maybe Harvest Home. I love Harvest Home. Yeah, and they're the old paperbacks. Yeah. I'm really excited. Um, on my Hawaii trip, like because that was like kind of a tropical setting, like summer setting, I read uh, Valancourt's The Killer or it was about an orca. <laughs> a okay. killer orca. <laughs> yeah, I'm like timely, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you should do a poster review for that now to pair with the recent orca attacks. Yeah, you're right. Because the recent well, orca news. The the government actually strapped a bunch of like weapons to this orca and made it like engineered to kill people, but of course it like turns psycho and kills everybody else. So. What I, I don't know that would never happen. I mean, there's always these stories where we're like, we're going to make this shark so smart. Don't worry. Nothing will go wrong. Yeah, absolutely not. We've got it covered, guys. Don't worry. Yeah, I love it. We're going to blend this dinosaur DNA with frog DNA. Nothing can go wrong. It's fine. Oh, speaking of Jurassic Park is probably one of the books that I've read the most in the summer. Like I've read it like four or five times now. That is perfect summer vibes, though. It does. It goes so fast. Yeah. It's yeah. such a fast read. Yeah. That back and forth, like, now we're with this party. Now we're with this party. What's happening with these guys? Now we're at the park. And yeah, so fun. Well, do you want to get into some books? Yes. All right. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay. So our first section of read-alikes are going to be for Ring Shout by P. Jelly Clark. This is the first summer scares pick and this takes place in like alternate history. This is like horror fantasy history. So in 1915, the birth of a nation is spreading the reach of the Ku Klux Klan. They are no match for these resistance fighters that are ready to send these demons back to hell where they belong. 
And in this story, what I like about it is that it has this like supernatural, like the birth of a nation is like literally turning people into clue cluxes as they're called in the book. Yeah. And they're this like supernatural, like they're demons. They're like this supernatural being and this hate is just like infecting and spreading. And so, yeah, these like badass women are like really getting together and like fighting these literal demons. Yeah. And it... it I don't know what happened when I read this book, but I was just mesmerized. Like I was absorbed in this world and I freaking love this novella. I talk about it all the time. I do spoiler alert, talk about it in 101 horror books to read before you're murdered. It is one of my picks. It is amazing. Um, and yeah, like you said, these badass women, one of them's name is Sadie. So, I mean, I did have like a, a little affinity for her yeah so I mean it's everything that I want out of horror and it's funny that not a lot of people would say that it's a horror book have you noticed that I mean I don't spend like I cannot with people that want to just like yeah get down into it it is like there are fantasy elements but I would say it definitely has like this I would say definite horror angle. I was going to say cosmic, but I don't know if cosmic is the right word. Actually, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It does. Definitely has like this whole like ripped time sort of vibe where something is out there. This like existential ending of the world. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Don't worry. I just forgot the stakes of this novel. I was (laughs) like, oh, yeah. The very coolest thing that about this book for me personally was that I read it on my Kindle and you could highlight um, portions of it that maybe I like there were locations or actually just ring shout. I highlighted ring shout and it the Wikip- it pulled up the Wikipedia article for what a ring shout is um, and it, it was this like beautiful song that the enslaved people would sing that would like manifest the spiritual energy that they would use to like just kind of be together in their trauma. Um, and it, it just, I, I have to recommend that you read it on your Kindle. It's a whole different experience because P. Jelly Clark is a historian and he just infuses this entire book with history and culture. And it really was a learning experience for me. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Um, I've definitely used that that Kindle feature a few times. I like where it says like other people have highlighted this. I think that's... I like that too. Yeah. I like that too. I feel connected to other people. I know. I'm like, it feels like a community. Like, oh, we're all reading this. We all liked this quote. Okay. <laughs> I love you. You're so funny. <laughs> yes, it does feel like that. You have two read likes. Do you want to go first and then me and then you again? Oh, sure. Sure. Okay. Yeah, sure. Uh, Pinata. I picked Pinata by Leopoldo uh, Gout because it really is the same vibe for me as Ring Shout in the sense that I read it on my Kindle and I highlighted the shit out of it, too. It, it has tons of culture, tons of references. It starts out with the subjugation and colonization of an indigenous people group. Um, there's angry, angry gods that have been neglected. There's epic uh, stakes. And it just, the whole vibe felt very ring, like very adjacent to Ring Shout for yeah. me. Um, and, it, and it was, it was 
it's actually like a very good summer read because it has like kind of this vacation element too. Like the family has this exodus out of their, out of their situation. Um, But yeah, I, I think that that's, that's pretty adjacent horror to ring shout. Oh, definitely. Yeah. When I saw you put that as a pick, I'm like, yeah, (laughs) I can see that. Um, my first read-alike is Mexican Gothic by Silvia Moreno-Garcia. This is about a young woman named Noemi. And when we're introduced to her, this is like 1950s Mexico. She's like very like life of the party debutante until she gets a troubling letter from her newlywed cousin, um, basically asking her to come save her from some uncertain doom. And her Noemi and her father find this very troubling and decide to send Noemi to her newlywed cousin's husband's family's estate high place. And she goes there and it is this like giant estate. There's just a lot of like weirdness going on. It's very gothic. Why I thought it made a good read alike with Ring Shout is I think both authors do this very interesting like White supremacy is the big bad, Mm. but in like this interesting supernatural way, like this supernatural metaphor that I think works really well. Yeah. This book deals a lot with eugenics and Sylvia Moreno-Garcia is so smart. And I was reading, like every time she speaks, every time she's even just like casually giving recommendations, like she is just like so intelligent and she knows so much. And um, I was reading an interview where she said that she got her master's in like science and technology and did her thesis on women, eugenics and the works of HP Lovecraft. Oh, wow. I mean, yeah, she blows my mind too. And it, it's all in her storytelling, you yes. know, all of that, that knowledge base is in the storytelling. And she, like her understanding of Gothic, I wish I could take a, a class from her yeah. just learning about gothic because if somebody asked me on the street like can you just define the differences between like southern gothic and you know this kind and that I just I would refer them to Sylvia Moreno Garcia <laughs> like oh my gosh Regis can I phone a friend like <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I mean I have a basic understanding yeah of- to like articulate it no not really I'm like but I know people who can so let me let me get them on the line here um but yeah I thought it made a really good pairing for them and I thought this was funny because I think this was also kind of marketed as like a soft gothic story and I'm in like a Facebook I know I'm in a (laughs) I was in a Facebook group for like, you know, suburban moms. And they were talking about how like they had picked this up and they're like, oh, I didn't know it got so gruesome. I didn't know it was like it went there. I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it does. It's a horror book, first and foremost. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, too, because Ashley picked this book for our Nightworms package. And when I first saw it, I was like, I don't know. It doesn't look horror. It has this like very like beautiful woman in a dress and some flowers and some wallpaper like I'm I don't know like how this is going to really go over with our entire fan base on for Nightworms and and she was like no it says horror like read the description it it definitely sounds like it could have a Mm -hmm. potential to be scary and and 
you know, it turned out to be one of my favorite books of the whole year. And it's yeah. definitely scary. So I picked for my next book, When the Reckoning Comes by Latanya McQueen. And it also takes uh, classic horror tropes and applies them to real life horrors of enslavement, subjugation, and colonization. So just like Pinata, just like Ring Shout, it comes from that narrative and that perspective. Um, The main character is a modern woman of color experiencing the ways in which modern society like kind of still entertains and participates in these violations. Like, I think that was the part that disturbed me the most was she goes to this wedding and it's on like a plantation. Yeah. In the way that they're just being exploitive about the situation because they had you know, people of color as the servants in this context, it was so icky and so disturbing to see it. And then the supernatural element kicks in, just like you were saying, where all of a sudden the plantation comes alive at night and these spirits, almost in the same way as like in the Greek mythology, how like a chorus would come and sing and for the people there was this chorus of enslaved people who would sing and tell their stories and this woman could hear and see all of it the rest of the guests couldn't um but she could and she could feel this like imminent danger like yeah. something bad is going to happen and it just gives me even goosebumps to talk about it now i thought it was one of my favorite stories that i read that year as well it was really good the interstitial chapters were definitely my favorite yeah it's, I think, something that really stands out in that story. And I was really mad that her childhood friend, like, brought her back to this town that she left yeah. to make her go to a wedding in a plantation. And yeah. I'm like, I, Latani McQueen did a good job because I was getting, <laughs> I was getting upset. Yeah. And I'm like, you know what? People do still do this today, though. Like, this is a conversation that needs to happen. Yeah, how gross, right? Like, I just, it's sort of like the conversation that happened during 2020 when people were, like, pulling down statues and stuff, and they would be like, that's just such, you know, it's it's personal property, and people shouldn't be pulling statues down, and I was just like, this is... I think we're just we need to reframe our minds and wrap our minds around what these institutions and what these landmarks and what these things like stand for for people like Mm -hmm. this plantation isn't a destination wedding like that's disgusting it stands for something really terrible for a marginalized community and we need to be aware of it and I think that this book made me aware of it (laughs) yeah yeah it was definitely one of those things where I was like yeah this book not that it needed to explain it to me but it really like put it into perspective for me where I was like I mean I wasn't going to anyway but this really nailed it yeah exactly (laughs) good way to put it (laughs) it wasn't something I was considering oh thank you yes and if I ever got an invitation and I saw the location I definitely wouldn't go how about that well should we move on to the second summer scares pick Yes. Let's. All right. It is Catherine House by Elizabeth Thomas. And in this story, Catherine House is an exclusive boarding school with strict rules. Students must give the institution three full years, including summers. They can't bring any effects with them, even their clothes. Like when you get checked in, like they literally take your clothes away like you're in prison and give you a uniform. Um, And Inez is initially excited when she's accepted after an intense interview and vetting process. She thinks it's a great place to get away from some stuff and start over. But 
She's not the only one with secrets. <laughs> you should read the synopsis of all the books for me. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, thank you. So my pick for this was Lakewood by Megan Giddings. This is about a woman named Lena. She's kind of like a down-on-her-luck millennial. And at the beginning of the story, her grandma dies. And she becomes aware that her family owes a lot of money. They're in a lot of debt. And she's very distraught by this fact. And she finds an opportunity that promises to pay well. All she has to do is kind of participate in a secret program. She goes and like checks in and like volunteers to test out um, a bunch of different things. And she's kind of promised that these could be discoveries that could change the world, but they could, you know, have devastating prices. They could have at a devastating cost for the subjects participating and I thought it was a good pick for this book because Catherine House is very vibey, is what I tell people. It is very vibe heavy. It is very surreal. It is very dreamy. Like there's a lot of parts where you're reading it and you're like, is this really happening? I don't know. But I'm just like going with the current. That's a lot of this when she gets into the secret program. And I mean, oftentimes they give her like drugs and stuff. And a lot of stuff you're reading is like her in like a drug induced state. And so because of that, it does have this like surreality to a lot of the chapters and a lot of like horrifying imagery when she's like high and trying to figure out like what's going on. Um, And I mean, it's a very effective novel. It deals a lot with moral dilemmas that working class people need to do. Like, you know, when they're presented with these high paying opportunities, like what is the cost to them for them when those opportunities are presented to them and more importantly like the history of like horror forced on black bodies in the name of science and scientific progress that actually so this was for lakewood right Mm -hmm. yeah i'm gonna add that to my tbr because this book was floating around was this last year or the year prior Mm. i feel like it was a 2020 read yeah i think so yeah i'm like it was it was definitely over like two years ago i want to say yeah, I'm I'm definitely going to bump that up. You you've sold it to me. Yeah. Good job, Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> um but one of my books, I don't I don't know if I'm going to get into the other one. I'll casually mention them because I felt like when I was reading the description of the Catherine House, which I haven't read Catherine House, um so I didn't know, but based on the synopsis and based on what you just told me, um Bunny by Mona Awad might be a good choice. Um because it has that dark academia vibe and also that surreal sort of thing where you're just kind of not sure what's going on. It does have like a dreamy sort of like, what the fuck am I reading type of situation. I didn't particularly like Bunny. I'm just going to be honest. Um, But I don't dissuade people from reading books. I always just try to present it in a way that like, this might be something that appeals to you. Um, and the part that I did kind of enjoy was the fact that these students form sort of this elite group and it reminded me a little bit of like mean girls where it's like, here we have this popularity thing going on and then there's the people who are excluded. And when you get invited to perhaps be in this popular group, even though it goes against all of all of the ways that you felt 
when you were looking on the outside, looking in, like all the ways you felt like it was inappropriate to be those girls and how mean they are and how mistreating they are and how kind of gross and sick and insular their group is. When you're invited into it, you'll compromise all of those things to be a part of it. And so Bunny does deal a little bit with that psychology where it's, I was on the outside, now I'm on the inside and I'm doing things I never thought I would. And in reading the description of Catherine House, it sort of feels like there's a mm-hmm. similar vibe. Oh, definitely. It's very, Catherine House is very like culty, obviously, because it's like you cannot even think about the outside roles for three years. We own you. Yeah. And so I think that was an interesting part is like the different characters and who is kind of like anxious to get out and who has like really bought into like this institution is good for us. Like Ooh. they know what's best for us. <laughs> yeah, that's creepy. That's creepy. And Bunny was sort of more like, I didn't really understand what was going on. There, the, the girls called each other Bunny and there was something weird going on when they would get together. They would like manifest these like boys that they would manipulate and dance with. And it, I wasn't really clear if they were real or, you know, what was happening. There's some kind of something happening like do you want to tell me did you read it I I was gonna say I DNF'd it because I did it on audio and I will say the narrator did a great job because she really channels these girls but like you said they're like funny 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 and I was like I can't I can't can't. (laughs) and I'm like you're doing a great job this is definitely like what the job called for Mm. I personally cannot handle this right now yeah, it's too triggering also. Like I just feel like I know that 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 way that girls treat each other and it just really leaves me disgusted. Like it's a vile vile thing that we do to each other. <laughs> I will mention um for more da- dark academia and like promises of prestige and exclusive groups of students, um gatekeeping, toxic friendships. Um, I could mention If We Were Villains by M.L. Rio and also Plain Bad Heroines by Emily M. Danforth, which that one I is loved. kind of, it's it's a personal investment, but it does go by pretty fast, but it's a long book. It is. I was surprised by how fast it went for me because I think I personally struggle with long books. Like my yeah. brain just gets to like 350 pages and is like, this is where a book should end. <laughs> what is this (laughs) why is this still going yeah um I'm trying to retrain that out of it but so I feel like when you're a kid you know you like take home these giant tomes and you like go through them like nothing and I don't know what happened to me when I got older well my attention span shrunk I think Chuck Wendig ruined me for for short chapters like he the Miriam Black series, he just kind of like chops everything up mm-hmm. in these bite-sized pieces and everything just goes by so quickly that now when I'm reading a book where the where the chapter is like 50 pages long, I'm like, yeah, no, <laughs> this is too much. I can't do it. I'm like, are we still talking about this thing? Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I I really liked playing bad heroines. That was a good one. I haven't read If We Were Villains. Cause that's, is that the Shakespeare one? Like the Shakespeare yeah. troupe? Okay. Yeah. I think I always get really intimidated by 
Shakespeare fiction because I don't feel like I'm super well versed in Shakespeare. And I'm like, well, I'm the dum dum that isn't going to get all the references. No, that you making. will. You will. It's not like that at all. <laughs> it has the it has elements and it has a vibe. And I was in Shakespeare when I was in high school. We would just sit around and read the plays together, and it was very cool. Um, but you don't need to have that background. Okay, that's good to know. Yes. So I think, was that also Mona Owad's second one was also Shakespearean? Is that the one with the book cover with like somebody with arrows sticking out of them? I think so. I didn't read that one because I, I didn't did. either. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, should we move on to the yes. final summer scares pick? Okay. The final summer scares pick is The Merry Spinster Tales of Everyday Horror by Daniel M. Lavery. And this is a book of kind of dark fairy tale retellings with a bit of like a feminist queer like lens and bent did you read this i didn't and i remember when you told me what the books the selections were i immediately went to amazon and saw that it was having like a sale and i got it for my kindle and then as things happen and as we do us readers we just let things linger on our shelves yeah i was gonna say because i read it like years ago and i don't know that i finished it even when i started reading it so um I do remember I read a couple of stories and they are like these yeah like I said dark fairy tale retellings yeah um so what I went with was okay it's probably going to be controversial so I will say I will give you some horror picks right up top because I don't think my technical pick is horror so I would say a good pick for this would be like Christina Henry like Lost Boy or Alice she does a lot of kind of these dark retellings of stories that you're like yeah they're so good yeah and I on I picked her up kind of not thinking that that was my thing. Like I read Lost Boy, like everyone says this is good, but like I don't know, I'm not a big Peter Pan person. Like yeah. I don't I don't care that much. And I read it and I was like this book is amazing. Everyone <laughs> needs to read it. He also did like Sleepy Hollow, which is really yeah. good too. I still haven't read that one. You yeah, just put it on your list for like a Halloween okay. thing. It's got a very Halloween vibe. I do. I I think I'll like it because I also like that that kind of time period in stories like an American set yeah. stories so yeah. I think it'll work um but also had to mention Angela Carter's The Bloody Chamber which of course is like seminal dark horror like fairy tale feminist retellings yeah that's on my list I haven't read it um but my actual pick probably leans more towards fantasy so I wanted to get my horror picks out of the way no one yell at stephanie i know okay i did give you some horror let me talk though (laughs) don't get angry it is the wayward children series by sean and mcguire and this is a series of novellas and the setting for this is that it's this boarding school for children who have kind of gone into alternate realities like kind of alice in wonderland or like wizard of oz who have like spent time like sometimes even years there and are now back and have to reacclimate to the real world and are having issues with that. So it's kind of like a boarding school where it's like all these different children that have that experience. And especially the first book obviously is world building and is like telling you how everything is. And I just love the way that it's laid out. Like some of these kids went into like high logic worlds or like nonsense worlds where like nothing made sense and like time was a construct and like, all these kinds of things, um, but also loved the way 
that some of these kids dealt with not being in those worlds. Like some kids like never really moved past it and kind of spent their whole lives like looking out for that door to open again Mm -hmm. and just have this like missing part of them where they feel like they don't belong in this world and that there's like another world where they should be. Um, And what I like about this series is that like the odd numbered books take place in the boarding school and then the even numbered books take place like in a world like you're following a story set like in one of the worlds following certain characters. Wow. I love I read the first book, but I haven't continued. And now I just want to continue like that sounds so good. And they're yeah, like they're all novellas. I mean, yeah, you read the first one. They're all like novellas. So like, I don't feel like they're that much of a time commitment. But every time I read one, I'm like, that's so good. But I always read them. I think my problem is I read them so far apart. Like I'll read them like several years apart that I don't actually remember who the characters are that I'm reading about. I'm like, these are definitely callbacks to characters that I don't remember right now. Yeah, I do (laughs) highly recommend that when you fall into a series, if the whole series is out now like that's kind of the cool thing about being a fan that has come upon a series Mm -hmm. later is everything is out like I envy people who are reading like the Dark Tower series for the first time and everything is out because I had to wait five or seven years between some of those books oh really yeah because I started reading it in the 90s and then there was a long lull and then Stephen King was in an accident where a van like hit him and it kind of like woke him up to the fact that like something could happen to me and I won't finish this series. So he really quickly like wrote the, the rest came out like two years apart. Um, But yeah, there was long, a long lull there between some of the books. So I'm excited that the series you just talked about is like already. Yeah. I don't know if she's still writing in it. I know there's like seven books or something out for it. Um, But yeah, I don't know. Like, Every time I think it's like done, I'll see someone, I'll see it on my Goodreads, like someone adding the next one. I'm like, there's another one? Yeah, oh my gosh, yeah. And the covers are all really great, too. Yeah. yeah. Sean McGuire writes a ton, though. Like, Yeah, yeah. There's, really there's some authors that just put something or more than one thing out, like... Like Hayley Piper. Like, I'm yeah. always like, how do you do this? How do you have time? <laughs> Who are you? Are you a machine? Do you yeah. sleep? Do you eat? Get around. <laughs> Um, one of my choices is actually a series as well, which is kind of fun. Um, so I chose Teen King Fisher's um, What Moves the Dead. And then there's also an upcoming book because I didn't realize when I read What Moves the Dead um, that it's part of a series called The Swarm. The, why am I like saying that weird? Sworn Soldier? I think I spelled that wrong. Um, sw- no what am i what is it sworn soldier yeah series okay sorry my brain was like swapping all the w's and s's um and the next book that comes out is what feasts at night um so t king fisher is kind of known for doing retellings um and what moves the dead is you know an edgar Allan poe uh spin and I loved that novella. I just ate it all up. And it's so, it's such a quick read. It's something that you can just, and this is exactly what I did, grab it off your shelf, take the dust jacket off, get on your couch with a cup of tea, and you can read the entire book in one setting. It's a, it's very satisfying. It's gothic. It's got dark vibes. Um, it has all of the kind of 
feeling that you would get reading Edgar Allan Poe. Um, and all I guess all of her stories, I didn't know this, but even the Twisted Ones and Hollow Places are also like retellings of old stories. I feel like I had heard that for one of them and I can't remember which one. I know I probably <laughs> looked it up and acted all knowledgeable about it, but I don't know either. But um, if if you're into, you know, retellings of old things like that would be a good place to start. And also Brahms books mm-hmm. are also retelling. So he has a Krampus um, tale and that is fully illustrated because Brahm is a gifted, talented illustrator also um because some people are, have all the gifts and have been spoiled <laughs> it's fine. It's just god's favorites <laughs> yes they can write and they can do everything else um <clears throat> and then i read Slewfoot, and i can't I'm, remember i think i, I read Slewfoot. it here. oh Slewfoot is like my new favorite book um and anytime i recommend it people tell me well, you have to give the trigger warning for a cat. So excuse me, a cat dies in this and it's not great. Um, it's gruesome. So I, I would have forgotten. Right. Because it's not like kind of the main thing. Yeah. It just sort of happens. And I'm really sorry about it. It, it really happens. Okay. And it's I'll have to make note of that next time I recommend it because I had completely forgotten. I mean, yeah. some people purposefully haven't read it because a cat dies in it. So oh. I'll just let people know. But it is the witch book I've always wanted. It was so good. I was full yeah. of rage. Also, the audiobooks for prom books are really good. Oh, I was narrated and produced really well. Yeah, they're they're all kind of magical. Um, the the child thief is a Peter Pan retelling. I didn't um, know that. I must. Have, I think there might be one or two of his I haven't read. I've read Krampus and I've read Slewfoot. Yeah, and they're all illustrated. They're all like very dark fantasy. Mm-hmm. You know, where people people also have told me when I've put it on TikTok, you know, oh, here's Slewfoot. This is this great witch book. And they're all, like, you know, that's not horror. So okay, Slewfoot is horror. <laughs> like, there's like, it has a gruesome ending. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, some some women are put in a, in a cage, you know, to be crucified as witches. So, I mean, it's pretty fucking scary if you ask me. Yeah. Yeah. Things can be horror and have fantasy elements in them. Yes, so we can I do that. Yeah, and also like just, you know, horror is where you find it. Like you know, s- stuff that happens in our past, like historical fiction, like shit is scary, like Amakatsu, that's her whole horror mm-hmm. vibe. Is historical scary. Yeah. <laughs> We were this was people. already her thing is like this was already scary and I'm gonna make it so much scarier. Yeah, the you, Donner Party, yeah, got it. The Titanic, it. internment camps, like everything. Yeah, so these were all horrifying things. I'm turning it up. Yeah, I mean that's that's and when when women enter the conversation of horror with tales of motherhood and and female agency and and how those things are you know taken from us, like that's horror. For sure. All right. Well, those have been our read-alikes for the Summer Scares picks. So one of the traditions I have on this podcast is to ask guests for a chilling obsession. So what is something in horror you've been enjoying lately? Oh, and I when I saw that, 
the cursor just blinked there for a really long time and I was like I'm obsessed with everything um right now currently we just finished the sixth season of Black Mirror and it really leans into horror and I loved it I know that Black Mirror fanatics this is on Netflix um have kind of panned this season because Mm -hmm. it wasn't you know so sci-fi but I mean, I'm not one to complain when sci-fi goes horror, and it still has all of the technology gone awry elements for me. Each episode still carries that theme of, like, should we have invented this thing that is now <laughs> turned on us? Um, that theme is still very present. Okay. Um, I especially recommend um, the last one, Demon 76. It's a good one. It's apocalyptic. It's demon. It's demonic. It's it's very good. Oh, I'll have to check it out later because Netflix put in their dumb policy, and we were using my sister in laws. And I think out of spite, we will not get Netflix. So. I understand. I understand. Bull. Yes. So it's like I see other people talking about it, and I'm like, <sighs> Yeah, all six know. episodes are really good, Stephanie. You have to find a way. I'll find a way. <laughs> Um, I watched Missing um, on a flight back and I wasn't sure what to think about it before I got into it because it's one of those, I don't know if you're like familiar with the premise of like missing and searching. Yeah. Is this the one with the cell phone? Yeah. Where it's all like a computer screen and it's like, she like FaceTimes people and you see her like Google stuff and like, it's the whole story is told through like a Mac screen. I do like that. I Yeah, I didn't know. I was like, I don't know how it's going to be, like how that translates to a movie and like tension and character building. And it worked. Like I was just like amazed. I'm like, how is this working? I am enthralled with this story of like, um, it's like a teen girl and her mom goes on like a romantic getaway with a man she started dating and like the mom and the boyfriend like don't come back from vacation yeah abroad yeah yeah it looks good it was good I was like on a plane like on the edge of my seat like what what and that's very technology gone awry too because with all of our the way that we have access to like so many different things like it doesn't that come in useful for her but also it's like there's Mm -hmm. bad stuff that happens as well so Yeah. yeah like airbnbs like we can you know a lot of airbnb airbnb horror as it should be (laughs) it's definitely a potential for horror (laughs) got barbarian you've got the rental (laughs) i know it's good it's good all right well it is time for the second tradition on this podcast and that is asking guests for their final girl song Okay, so depending upon my movie that I'm in when I'm a final girl, there's two different songs that I picked for two different vibes. So if it's like a final girl ending where I'm walking away and there's kind of a melancholy vibe to the movie, I would pick something slow and lingering and dark like Nirvana's Something in the Way. Mm. Um, And if it was something like I was walking away because I had slaughtered my enemies and I was drinking the blood of them um, from their skulls or planting succulents in them. (laughs) Um, I would choose Mud, My Name is Mud by Primus because the beginning part of that song with that chainsaw throbbing boat motor type 
buzz is the best guitar lick ever. <laughs> I love that. And I love that I can vividly picture both of these scenes playing out right now. Yeah. You need like you need that whole like messy hair Winona Ryder thing with the cigarette at the end of feathers <laughs> for the neighbor's <laughs> bed. Um and then for something in the way, it's almost like that um, you know, um, what was that movie where she's driving away in her boyfriend's car after she cruel intentions? Yeah. And it's bittersweet symphony. Yeah. It something like that. Those are my two vibes. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Perfect. You know what? I'll add them both. I'll add yeah. them both to the playlist. Great. Gotta have two two separate vibes going. Great. Wait, do you have right. an actual Spotify playlist for this? Yeah. Oh, I need that. <laughs> I need that. Yeah, it's like BITF final girl playlist and it is all over the place and i love it it is oh my god i'm gonna listen to that when i do my workouts that's awesome all right well thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me i loved talking about 100 books to read before you get murdered and summer scares me too this is the best yeah it was really fun to just nerd out yeah i would (laughs) love to do this again this is like oh my gosh yeah this is what i love to do Books in the Fraser is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us on Twitter at BooksFraserPod or on Instagram and TikTok at Books in the Fraser. You can send us an email at BooksInTheFraser at gmail.com. Show notes for this episode and all previous episodes are at BooksInTheFraser.com. If you would like to support the podcast, there are many ways you can do that, and I believe most of them are listed on the show notes for this episode. There you'll find links to Patreon, to merch, and affiliate links listed. So any of those are a big help to the podcast. If you are looking to support the podcast without spending any money, I hear you. Word of mouth goes a long way, as does leaving a review on a site like Apple Podcasts or Spotify or whatever podcast app you use. I'm Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter at Lady underscore Ganya. That's L-A-D-Y underscore G-A-G-N-O-N or on Instagram at That's What She Read. And that's that's with two A's. Thank you so much for listening and see you next time on books in the freezer. Thank you.